out of the park baseball is already the best baseball simulator out there and it's gotten even better with the release of their new perfect team mode perfect team is their foray into the ultimate team card collecting modes that have revolutionized the online experience for sports games if you already have ootp 19 then you have perfect team just go to the home page and click perfect team on the right hand side and you'll begin with your six starter packs to build the team. And from there, you can choose to open more packs or dive into the robust auction house and use perfect points to craft the team that you want. The depth of players is truly amazing with a card for every player present on an MLB roster, as well as legendary throwbacks like Babe Ruth, Walter Johnson, Cy Young, like Daryl Strawberry, Larry Walker, Manny Ramirez, all the way down to novelty players like Bob Euchre and Snuffy Sternweiss. That's right. I said Snuffy Sternweiss. That's a real player. Once you have your team, you build your lineups, you build your rotation, you pick the strategy that you want. You want to run a small ball team. You want to be a full sabermetrician. You want to be somewhere in between. You want to run an unorthodox. You can choose you know, how often that you're stealing, how often you're using shifts, the slowness or quickness of the hook for pitchers and relievers. A lot of detail there that you can set for the team and how it will run during the simulations. Uh, and once you set all that, you submit your team and the game simulates outcomes every 30 minutes from 9 a.m. to midnight central. Seasons run from Monday to Sunday with every day of the week covering a month and then Sundays covering the playoffs. Will you make the playoffs and be promoted to the next level or finish with one of the worst records in the league and possibly face relegation down to a previous level? Download the game for just $20 at ootpdevelopments.com and use code SLEEPER19 for a 10% discount at checkout. That's ootpdevelopments.com. episode 632 of the sleeper and the bust it is wednesday january 23rd and it's another fireside chat i'm your host paul spore joined by nick pollock nick how's it going what is happening i'm i'm going great i've got two weeks until the pitchless 4.0 comes out so i'm stoked on the horizon we can taste it it's coming (laughs) we just got uh we just got hall of fame announcements that's kind of a nice off-season marker that says that we're getting closer and closer to pitchers and catchers reporting it's all happening nick the super bowl is set which means that that's a couple weeks away, and that, as we've talked about, is kind of the official start of the fantasy baseball right. season, uh, at least as you and I see it, now, and the pitchers and catchers report. Now you just mentioned football. This is the, that's the only time I'll allow it. Uh, Correct. Because fantasy it's, it's only is to disparage it. Yes. yes. <laughs> I'm wearing my fantasy football is stupid shirt that you got me. Yeah, you did. Yeah, you Thank are. You very, very it much looks on dope. That. It looks great. Uh, you are the first person to don it. Oh. That's fantastic to so, hear. Yes, it, and it is great. Get yours on PitcherList.com. Uh, even if you like playing fantasy football, you can freely admit that it's stupid. And it's stupid. I, I am that type of person. I do <laughs> play it. I play it with my homies. It's a great way to see them. The way I lost this year was absolutely maddening. It was peak stupid fantasy football. So anyway, we need to get into talking about some pitchers. Yeah, and we what do. we've got on tap today is something that I think is pretty interesting. We're going to talk about some potential SP uh, strikeout risers, some guys who can can really push their strikeout rate up in 2019, uh, based on any number of factors. You know, maybe just getting an, 
a, a chance to flash their stuff longer, a pitch that maybe didn't get fully highlighted in 18 that's going to take off in 19. Uh, maybe they were just underperforming their swinging strike rate, and we think, hey, if they kind of bring this all together, they can really boost their strikeout rate. A lot of different avenues to doing this. And of course, there's going to be some that just surprise us. They add a pitch that we don't know about yet, and they really take off. But we've got our groups here that we're going to talk about, and they're going to range really from top to bottom, because I've got some deep, deep cuts here. And even some of the guys up at the top end, we're not going to dive in too deeply on, because we've talked about them. And one of the things we want to avoid, um, because we go all all winter, we don't want to get fatigued on on certain guys and just constantly talk about Jamison Tyon. He is on our list. But we've made that point, right? That beautiful slider that he really dove into last year was fantastic. A full year with it, perhaps honing it even more this offseason. That's great. We love Jamison Tyon. But we don't really need to spend a whole lot of time on him. People understand that we like him. So we're going to get into more of the meat uh, of, of guys that we like. So I'm going to go ahead and kick it off to you. Tyon was my first one, kind of just quick hitter there. Who's your first guy that you're really looking at as a potential strikeout gainer for 19? I mean, we uh, there are a couple guys that we're going to go quickly through. So mm-hmm. I figure we should, at the very least, just talk about Michael Fulmer just very quickly. Yeah. Like, as you mentioned, yeah, it, it, his slider is a money pitch. Ching, I don't have it ready. I'm really sad about that right now. But uh, <laughs> no, it's uh, he's, he's coming back from knee surgery as well. He also has a full year removed from ulnar nerve transposition surgery, mm-hmm. uh, which means that he's going to have much better feel of his fingers now for that changeup that used to be such a good pitch in the past. So I, I, I see a guy that has been sub 20% carry and really should be hinting 25% in my mind. So, so definitely there. Uh, there's also Michael Clevenger or Mike Clevenger yes. um, that uh, I think you want to talk about a little bit more than I uh, go a little deeper into that. But uh, he's Dog. definitely someone that needs to get mentioned. Yeah, I mean, I think there's like a 30% upside here. We've seen 27 and 26 the last two years. That's fantastic. If he just repeats that, I don't think anybody's really complaining. But there is actual upside here with with Clevenger, and I think that's why um, both of us love him. We're really kind of boosting him up our rankings a bit. If you're in that second tier of pitcher, uh, you can look to Clevenger. He put up a 200-inning season last year. It was excellent. He does get a little overshadowed by his uh, rotation mates there, and frankly, that's great. That kind of keeps him a little bit more hidden for us, not that he's some super sleeper or anything, but – I don't know that he goes that he goes for the price that he absolutely should. The depth of his arsenal with the uh, with the three off-speed pitches is such that again, he could clock a 30% rate. Now, like his rotation mates, the fastball isn't isn't great. That's just kind of something that they have there where their fastballs aren't that great, but then their secondary arsenals are incredible. And he's got a brilliant slider, backs it up with a true curveball. Sometimes the guys have hybrid breaking balls like his own teammate, uh, Corey Kluber, is just the breaking god. Uh, but the slider and curveball are definitely distinct and a changeup that he really started to work in there last year for Clevenger. Uh, you know, he's always kind of had it ready to go. Think starting to get more swings and misses. You look at those three pitches, they can all be swing and miss offerings. 12% swing strike rate. I could see that even moving up. But even if you just kind of use that as your basis and you look and say, you know, we kind of say shorthand 2 to 2.5 that uh, that swing strike rate as something that can be their strikeout rate. That's kind of a shorthand. Mm-hmm. 2.5 of the 12% is 30% strikeout rate. So I really think we can see Clevenger push up on his strikeout rate. And I think if he doesn't, 
there's a fantastic floor there too. So you're, you're not buying into something that could bottom out. I think you're going to get that 25%, but the fact that you could pop 30 plus makes them so intriguing. And not to mention, uh, I think that this is overlooked a bit with Clevenger. To, uh, 78% of his starts last year were at least six innings. Wow. Yeah, he went deep then. Right? That was only seven games of 32 that he didn't go a full six innings or more, uh, which is really valuable these days. We talk about rare pitchers for throwing 200-plus innings. He hit exactly mm-hmm. last year in 32 starts. I see that leash continuing to grow for him. I uh, I really like that moving forward. Uh, considering that he also had a lot of games right at six. So you think that maybe as he grows into this role, role more in the rotation, he could be going more to seven more often, that kind of thing. Uh, I really think, especially with strikeout rising, that just the raw number will increase because he'll face more batters. So uh, so I'm huge on, on Clevenger. I, I wouldn't be surprised if I find myself being a little bold on Clevenger when my ranks come out slightly. Mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah, he's he's definitely someone that could be hitting thirty percent, especially when that like really slow beginning. You you wrote a piece, I believe, about yes. that. Yes, we uh, we were talking about the struggles that that Clevenger had, and it was looking a little bit grim there. It's like what's going on with him? You kind of dig in further, and it's like th- there's more here still. His strikeouts weren't coming the way they should, and it, it's just one of those things. He was a great small sample case of like don't freak out over this small sample. There's still more for Clevenger if you kind of look underneath the hood, kind of watch some of his starts, and lo and behold, he came through in a big way last year and really finished strong. So yeah, Mike Clevenger is a big one for us. You know, there was only four guys who popped 250 on their strikeouts last year, and, and Corbin right there at 246. I think Clevenger could join that group. That's that's kind of the upside there is to be one of those super elite strikeout guys. Definitely. 29% plus K rate in his final 19 starts. You love that. You got to love go. to see that. All right. Uh, who's your next one? Uh, Miles Mikolas is uh, hey. someone that really should be holding a higher uh, K percentage than 18%. But Nick, he has a low walk rate. That means he's a soft tosser, right? Cuz that... No. No, it's not. He throws 94 with an I hate how those things slider. go hand in hand. Uh, people just <laughs> automatically assume that if you walk, don't walk anybody, you're a soft tosser and it gets thrown around so much. Tell us more about Michaelis's solid arsenal and heat, actually, because he throws 94 on average. He does. Um, I think it's something that as time goes on, he'll develop more into a strikeout pitcher just because he has that put-away pitch in that slider. Mm -hmm. Uh, He only used it as a strikeout pitch 21% of the time, only 21% K rate. However, it's a near 15% swing strike rate, 50% zone rate, and just about a 40% O swing. Uh, It's like right – it's hovering a money pitch. It doesn't necessarily have that qualifier. But it was dope, uh, and I really do think that he's going to utilize it more uh, aggressively to to miss more bats and to become more of a strikeout producer. I'm not saying he's going to hit at 30% like Clevenger. Yeah, but, but he's coming at, from 18%. Right, so, so you're going to see like 23 room. to 25 is what I, I think he can do. And he has a lot of pitches to help get ahead early too, which will help his strikeout totals if that means he's going deeper into games than I'm walking guys too. So mm-hmm. I, I'm, a, I'm a fan uh, of Mikolas. I think he's actually uh, – I saw the um, – Oh man, I can't remember the exact acronym, but there was a draft going on in Sirius XM starting yesterday. FSTA. Thank you. Uh, and Mikolas went like eighth, tenth round. Uh, while there are a lot of pitchers normally that we talk about, like top twenty, top twenty-five, going in the first four, five, and Mikolas was one that fell much farther than I expected. I think I he's going to come at a prime time. discount. Honestly, he's one of those sneaky uh, SP two point fives. 
Um, he had a 2.83 ERA last year, but it was a 3.93 Sierra, so everyone's staying away. Honestly, I think there's there's going to be a balance here, like a 3.4 ERA with a 1.10-1.15 whip and a 23 to 25% K rate. That's very, very plausible to me for Miklas, so I'm totally on board with that one that. as well. Yep, f- fully agree with everything you're, t- you're saying there on, on uh, Michaelis. I think what we saw last year was really encouraging, uh, but it's having people push away because they're afraid of the bottom falling out because it was a 2.83 ERA, and... Yeah, neither of us are saying he's going to do that again. He doesn't need to to be really good because the offset of the ERA kind of coming back to, like you said, 340-ish is going to be um, uh, it's going to be offset by the strikeouts going up. So in terms of his total value, give back some of the ERA, a little bit of the whip because I agree with you, like a 110, 112, he's still going to be fantastic right. in whip and completely cancel it out, maybe even push further so he's worth more fantasy dollars because the strikeouts are going to boost that's a great call there i like miles michaelis as well uh let's move on to the next one who you got this is one that uh you know we do talk about a a decent amount so maybe we won't go super deep but i still see even another level from nathan evaldi we finally saw it push up last year and it was actually more with the rays than the red sox but it Small difference, really, when you're talking about the 57 and 54 innings, basically equal samples, 24% with the Rays, 21% with the Sox. We're talking about a few strikeouts there, and he basically would have been the same. The uh, swinging strike rate was a half percentage lower uh, with the Red Sox, so it's not like he really lost that strikeout ability. We've been hoping and waiting and expecting strikeouts out of Evaldi for quite some time, and frankly... It, it was probably um, an unreasonable expectation when you really understood what his fastball was, which was straight as an arrow cheese that anybody could could make contact with right. if they just timed it up. And usually later in games is when they would start to do that. But he, he brought in that cutter last year and really it really took off for him. A 92, 93 mile per hour beast of a cutter that the, the, the time, the time window that hitters have to decide whether or not that's going to be the 97 um, or, or dart to the left and be the cutter at, at a few miles slower is so small. And you could see it fooling guys big time last year. I've always been a fan of, of the split finger that he's dabbled with. We've seen him uh, mess with it a bit, and, and it can be a little bit of a strikeout pitch. It's not a put away. I think the cutter and the slider, because the slider is still a distinct pitch from the cutter. It's down at 87. It has that sharper break. So when you're looking at the fastball cutter and slider, that that the tunneling of those three, I think it's allowing him to get a lot more swings and misses. We saw a career best 10.7 uh, swinging strike rate last year. And even if you just bump that to like two, two and a quarter, uh, you should be able to beat the strikeout rate that we saw last year. So I'm thinking something in the 25 to 27 percent range is perfectly capable for Evaldi if he continues to develop the way we've seen. Now, he is 29. It's not like he's some young buck. But I think he's really coming into his own here. This is a late bloomer, uh, despite having plenty of innings under his belt. He's really deciding who he is now. And I think those three pitches, the fastball cutter slider, really going to allow him to get a lot more swings and misses, even in that difficult division of the AL East. Yeah, that's a that's a nice pick. I would say that 22% K rate should be a bit higher uh, for Evaldi next year. I, I have a question for you. Hmm. Um Thinking of 2019, uh, obviously all of us have our guys that we think we're going to be a bit higher on than the consensus. Would you classify Evaldi as one of your top three, top five guys? Yes, definitely. Because, um, and I, I didn't even know it was going to be that way until I brought out my first, my first rankings and I realized that I was, I was ahead of the curve there in terms of, uh, or not necessarily ahead of the curve. That means I'm, I'm right on it, but I was ahead of the group. 
and I don't know if I'm going to be right, but I'm, I'm putting him out there. He's a top 35 guy for me. I think he was 37th. I've actually moved him up a couple other ranks now that he's settled. He's back with Boston. He's, I think he's going to be 34th or 35th for me. And I understand the innings concern. I absolutely do. It's, it's a valid concern. And that's definitely something that needs to go up to really have this pan out as well, because he could just add from sheer volume, not just strikeout rate for Evaldi. But if I can get, 135 plus innings somewhere somewhere in the 135 to 150 i'm not even asking for a full-on 180 um then i think we can get a great season we've seen it repeatedly in the recent years that you can put up a top 25 season with that low of an innings, innings count because so many guys are down there that's why we talk about someone like clevenger and michaelis being so valuable because they actually push the 200 so balancing Ivaldi with one of those two is something I'm very interested in doing. If I have a Man. Clevenger Ivaldi one two punch, I'm really excited about it. This is a this is a really interesting question. Um so I I don't have my answer. Uh but I'm gonna ask you, who would you rather have, Rich Hill or Nathan Ivaldi? Ooh, that's a really that's a really great great question and and they do similar things and rich hill was someone i was thinking of when i was talking about how you can put up 125 innings and actually be a top 20 top 25 pitcher by pitcher values um i'm gonna go the easy way out and just take the the younger guy because while i'm not going to bet necessarily against rich hill i'm not averse to taking him we are now it is that hot potato, right? You really don't want to be left holding the musical chairs, right? You don't want to be left holding the bag on a 39-year-old now, right? You know, I, I'm kind of of the of the mindset, and it might be flawed because he hasn't really shown any reason to be against him skills-wise. Yeah. But with Rich Hill, it's like I've been on board the last two years. I didn't get him everywhere or anything like that. He wasn't one of my guys, but I've had him in a couple leagues. I've benefited from him. Do I just kind of want to cash out my winnings and let <laughs> – you know, kind of let some, yeah, yeah, obviously sure. it doesn't work. You know, I'm not saying no, like, I know what you mean. You want to push it yeah. into 19, but just say, you know what? I've done it. I've dealt with the hassle of the in and out missing, a, you know, going out in the middle of the week after a three inning start coming back in the middle of the week. And, and I, I don't get his six inning gem because he came off the DL on a surprise. I might be pushing away from Rich Hill as far as someone I'm drafting just because at 39, the, the volatility, the uncertainty, I think continues to amp up a little bit. It's sure. hard. It's hard to say that it doesn't. So yeah, long answer there. But I think I am going to go Ivaldi, um, even though I do believe that Rich Hill is still a worthy asset. I'm just going to take the younger guy uh, with the similar concerns, but ten years younger. Yeah. Um, first of all, long answer. You never need to apologize to me for it. Maybe to Fast, but not to me. That's Fast. Um, <laughs> yeah. Not not to, not to you. That's our show. But Fast probably like come on. Come oh on. Man, man, we got. He's pointing at his watch like it's Judge Judy. Um, but I. Uh, <laughs> No, here, okay. With Eovaldi, I'm on your side in the sense that I actually, I don't think he's going to just have 130 inning season unless he gets hurt. Uh, it's really for me, I think the Red Sox signed him to be a starter. He really should be a starter. There's a lot of talk about him being this uh, long relief guy, hybrid and all that. I really just don't see why they would do that for someone that's this successful. Um, not to mention that the Red Sox staff, I mean, yes, it's, uh, you have your five guys, but someone gets hurt. Evaldi is going to be needed, yeah, to be there like, for the full length. So I don't, I don't, I don't see 130. I see 150 plus 100. I can see 170. With Rich Hill, definitely what you're talking about. 
let's say we get 130. That's kind of what the expectation has been for a couple of years. Every year, though, I, I feel like we need to chisel off more expected innings just because age right. and eventually is going to happen. So I think and those blisters don't camps. go away. Well, yeah. So I, I have them in two distinct groups, right? I'm going to have a Eovaldi about 10 to 15 spots. Again, I also just don't want to deal with the headache of Rich Hill, like you mentioned. Exactly. It's, I talk about this a lot. There's certain guys that I just won't draft because being in a league, I just don't want to know about it. Either going to do well, I'm going to be starting them. Maybe sometimes like cores or tough opponents, fine. But the, the yo-yo effect of Richel being a starter, me not, is he on DL, is he, it's just too much. I just don't want to deal with it. It's not like I'm going to be missing out on this massive value, uh, for that. Well, Instead, there'll be other guys to go for. We talk about this a lot too with different guys, both you and I and, and, um, on the show with Justin about understanding your own uh, managerial tendencies of what you want right, to do, what yeah. you want to invest in. And, you know, for us, we play not only a lot of leagues, but we are, you know, obviously delivering content all year. We're busy, right? And everyone's busy. I'm not saying that people aren't busy, but if you're like a two league guy or even just a, one league and it's your, it's your thing to focus on and you're able to fully manage it and you can take guys like that and platoon type guys and you have daily moves, that's, that could be your market inefficiency. I think for guys who are going to play in a ton of leagues like us, we should cut some of that out and right. not because we might not maximize it out of our own just inability to be fully on it. So I agree with you on the headache piece specifically with Rich Hill because you know he's going to be in and out. Like you mentioned, Ivaldi has a chance to go 180. That's not out of the realm. There is no world where Rich Hill's going 180. He's just right. not. Yeah. So he can't be a set it and forget it. So yeah, I think we both lean toward uh, Ivaldi there, but. If you took Rich Hill, you know, maybe as two pitchers later and he was your fourth guy to go with this group, that could yep. be something. Now, but, uh, uh, now, that was a fun tangent. I enjoyed yes. that. Thanks who's for a, indulging me. <laughs> who's up next for you? Well, all right. Here's my surprise guy. Ooh. Give yeah. me my, ooh. All right. We, we talked about this beforehand for those that don't know. He wouldn't tell me, which I don't no. want, uh, but he was going to give me a clue to try to guess it. Um, he is someone that everyone expects to heavily regress next year, um, okay. and, he pl- and he pitched in the playoffs. And he pitched in the playoffs. Yeah. That's a good clue because that eliminated my first guess. Oh. He is a lefty. He's a lefty. It's not Sean Newcomb because you hate him. <laughs> I know that. Uh, he is also somewhere that uh, you generally don't want to get pitchers from this team. Is it Eduardo Rodriguez? Nope. Yeah, that would have been too obvious because you um Oh. Oh, oh, hang on. Is it Kyle Freeland? It is. That's right. Yeah. He had a 20.5% K Rep proud of you. Uh I should, last I should season. have gone with him first because Eduardo would have been too you love Eduardo. Like we we've 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 hyped him. I should have gone with somebody that was a little less obvious there. But that's all right. Second guess, got it. Um this is a surprising thing. I don't think a lot of people do expect a uptick in strikeouts from him. Agreed. If anything, they think they're gonna he's gonna fall back. The two eighty five ERA was four thirty five Sierra. Uh eighty three percent left on base, right? Eight point five percent home over fly ball rate in cores. There's a lot of indications to stay away from Freeland. And yeah, there I do believe in a decent amount of those. I don't think he's gonna sure. have a sub three ERA. Uh Michael Augustine had a really good piece talking about effective velocity and how he actually pitches. Um, really dictated his success, and I do believe that a bit. I think he is going to be someone that outperforms peripherals a little bit. The thing is, in his final 10 starts, he was kind of killing it with the strikeouts. Yeah. He had a 24% K rate all of a sudden. His swing strike rate jumped a full two points to over 10% after being around 8%. It was awesome, and he was using eight 
uh, points more cutters. He went from 24% cutters to 32% during that time. I think there's something there. I think he kind of figured out how to use his cutter even better to get more swinging strikes, to get more strikeouts. And that's a fun one to me. But I, I can imagine him going 23% K rate next year. Maybe not that 24%. Maybe he actually does that the entire year. Maybe even gets better at 25%. He's surprisingly young at 25. I don't think a lot of people realize that he's going to, well, he's going to turn 26 in the middle of May. But still, that's not, but it's yeah. not like he is the Lester or the, the Hamels that he's often compared to. So it's intriguing to me. I don't know if I'm going to be paying a, a premium for Freeland, but I've seen him go past the top. To. Right, he's going past the top 40 starters uh, often. And let's see here. I actually have the NFBC in front of me. He is going at 37 of starters right now. There you go. So pick that's a, that's pick about one right four. to me. Yeah, uh, I totally agree. I think I think everything you've said there makes sense with Kyle Freeland. Uh, you talk about the effective velocity, the tunneling, those aspects, the fastball cutter changeup trio that he runs uh, absolutely plays up on that because you have the fastball at 92, 93. Another guy who, you know, first off, he doesn't have a super light walk rate, but I think he's also seen this kind of a soft tosser. 92, 93 from a lefties. Right. Above he, average. He like showed, he showed 95 in the playoffs. Even. Yeah. Like he can pump it up there too. If you're averaging 92, you have heights that can go, uh, you know, two, three, four miles per hour above that in your back pocket there. So you balance that with the cutter that comes in at 86. So that obviously runs into righties, runs away from lefties. And then, um, you have the changeup that drops down. And so you have those three pitches, and it's it, again that that effective velocity when you have great command, which Freeland I, I fully believe does. Watch him pitch; you guys will see how well he maneuvers. And neither the strikeout nor walk rate super impress you, but you watch how he works. And I fully believe he's somebody that we believe um, a Shane Bieber should be. He's the guy out there who walks the guys when he should, and instead of giving in and potentially creating damage on an awful three-one pitch down the pipe. He walks him and resets and moves on. I think that 8.3% walk rate is purposeful, and I, I don't really want it to go way down because I think it would result in more hits, more homers. And so I think Kyle Freeland does a lot of good work. And um, I think this is kind of a baby Michaelis where the ERA is going to regress because 285, it's just not reasonable to suggest that he's going to do that. But it's going to be offset by a strikeout gain. So I, I agree with that. That's, yeah, that's a great a really good, sneak That's pick. a really good comparison there. I like that call the the – the mini Michaelis. That's good. Great, great pick there. All right. Um, I have another quickie uh, that that could be, you know, one guy we've talked about that I just – this would be calling pretty much for an ace turn for the entire year. He was already pretty great, but there is potential for more. Zach Wheeler popped a 24% mm-hmm. strikeout rate last year, but look at what he really did in the second half, and he absolutely went off. This is another guy who could really push that upper 20s and maybe even get to the 30% mark if things really broke right. Again, this would be calling for that superstar turn, which is uh, the the lower probability outcome but certainly possible. And I just really like what he's done. We have talked about him before. I love that he wins off of an elite fastball. Um, it's always nice to have that as your foundation, but he also had three other positive PVAL uh, secondary pitches. Now, none of them were particularly exemplary, 4.5 on the slider, 1.6 on the curve, and 0.5 on the changeup, but they were all positive. So you have a deep arsenal there. Uh, if he continues to stay healthy, he started to work in that split finger too, which which was distinctly different from the changeup uh, when it was working. It was kind of an in and out. Both those pitches are kind of in right. and out. But uh, so it's really the fastball slider curve. But I do think Wheeler could actually add strikeouts and again push 
kind of that Clevenger level where we're talking upper 20s and perhaps even low 30s on the uh, the high end probabilities. So Wheeler still like him. Just one more little quick plug for him. Yeah, I I was actually kind of surprised to only see a 24 percent. Um, right. Mark from from Wheeler at the same time during that incredible stretch, let's say 12 starts when he had at least uh, six innings, actually at least seven innings in 10 of his 12 starts. That is wild. So that good. is crazy. So um, good. And the thing is, though, he wasn't uh, even in that time. It was just sub nine K per nine. But yeah, but it's still 80 strikeouts in 12 starts. That's and, great. And yeah, the volume can be offset there, right? Because right? exactly. if the rate isn't necessarily off the charts, okay, well, then th- this guy who's going seven that often, I'm getting those extra strikeouts that way, and I'm okay with that too. That that can be the trade off there. So, uh, yeah, I love what Zach Wheeler does. So, so I, I'm, I'm a fan too. I actually think I'm going to be a little more positive than most people. I, I'm debating it right now. It's not final. But you might see Wheeler above certain guys that everyone's calling old faithfuls. So. Certainly, certainly agree with that. He's, uh, I've got him quite high, and I think he's going to be not necessarily one of my guys because I think other people will get on board. But um, you know, some don't think I'm on on, a, on some major limb with him. But I've got him with our guys like Clev Dog and and Tyone, and I've got him up there. I'm, yep, I'm excited I have about him. I have him. I think like right behind them. Surprisingly. Remember. Uh, former elite prospects. So uh, <laughs> I, I, I absolutely, you know, I, I know you don't put a whole lot of value in that in terms. And it, it's not like some magic fairy dust. Yeah. But I that's something we're always going to have contention on, because I think that that absolutely matters, that the, the pedigree there of, of being seen as somebody who had that that future potential. He's maximizing it now. That's so. fair. No, no. I, I said it like that uh, just because. There, I mean, it's it's always a phrase I often hear right away. Kind of is like, oh no, he was the number one pick. He has to be good. That's why. See, and I don't agree with that. I don't. No, the point. The reason it. you said it makes a lot of sense. If he had like four dud seasons, or or even like say five, like 13, 14, 15, 16, and seventeen, and he was just mediocre, and then I was using it. I think that'd be a little bit different, but the fact that he dealt with those injuries that stunted, but right, we'd, had, yeah. we'd actually seen some positivity in 13 and 14 from Wheeler, then the injury struck, and now we're seeing the maximizing of his skills. So that's that's the reason I bring it up. But I agree with yep. you. It can be a crutch argument, which is something that um, if for those who do like fantasy football, one last f- football reference, Chris <laughs> Harris uh, talks about. He says, don't get caught up on crutch arguments. We could actually probably do a list of baseball ones. Pedigree can oh, be one. Oh, that'd be fun. That gets too leaned on as like, well, it's magic. This prospect list, they liked him. So I agree with you to be smart about using it. Don't just use it as some mic dropper. It doesn't mean anything if you can't kind of prove it. Uh, all right, who's who's next for you? Because the rest of my guys, we're getting we're getting. Well, I got one more <laughs> kind of up there guy. Uh, all right, well, I'm just gonna say him real fast. Yeah, you should go. Yeah, Luis Castillo. Done. We know. We yeah. we love him. Okay, moving it's on. Like, I, I it's like it's like he's you know we should have a podcast on Luis Castillo or something. We, we should. We should. We should almost like start an entire podcast series ba- based uh, on based on Luis Castillo. On oh, man. So yeah, I I had to include him again. You look at what he does with his swinging strike rate. Uh, if he maximizes, if he develops, you are really talking upper twenties. And again, he could even push that thirty percent mark too with the uh, with the fastball slider changeup for for Luis Castillo. So no no further mention really needs to be. No deeper do we need to go right. with him right now because yep. we've talked him to death. Now let's dive into the rest here. Who's your next guy? Okay. I uh, There are two that are really close. Um, one is someone we've talked about already a lot, Joe Musgrove. 
Um, I actually don't know if we mentioned him at the very top uh, of the uh, of the podcast, but he had a sub twenty one percent K rate last year. While he has this really dope slider, who was that? And, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm I, uh, Joe Musgrove. Oh yeah, yeah. Seventeen point five percent swing strike rates, forty one percent zone rate, forty seven percent O swing. That's all excellent. That's a money pitch. Uh, and the more they throws it, the more success that he has. Uh, my buddy Fast really pointed that out last year when he had his great starts. He was really using that slider effectively. Eleven point five percent overall swing strike rate as well should point to something closer to twenty four twenty five percent strikeout rate. So. I think that Musgrove is going near the end of drafts and can be a very fun flyer to take. Maybe that does pan out at the beginning of the year. Uh, yeah, and this is another one that uh, somebody that we've talked about, the, the slider revolution there in Pittsburgh with Tyone, with Musgrove, with Chad Cool. You know, they, they, I don't know if they were trading notes or, or if anyone right. spurred it uh, one way or the other there, but they've definitely got some things working there. If they can get away from the fastball reliance there, that's really going to push the strikeouts, I think, because, um, you know, fastballs aren't, aren't, necessarily the main strikeout pitch for most guys it's it's leaning uh using the fastball and then diving into your secondary stuff setting up with the fastball then going to the secondary stuff that can push a major strikeout rate but we've seen the swing strike rates from musgrove totally agree here definitely someone i will have shares of for sure mm-hmm. all right now my last four guys we're going <laughs> okay. Uh, we're starting with a guy who had like a 50 ERA last year. I think it was 50. Let me let me get an official mark on that. Uh, let's go here to the worst team in baseball. 545. Okay, not quite 50, but it was close. And it's Dylan Bundy, mm-hmm. and uh, you know he's he's, he's worth bringing up because he's going to be forgotten, and I understand why he's a bit of an afterthought. And going to be pushed down lists because uh, home runs are a major issue. I am a little bit intrigued by a new regime coming in. I wonder if they're going to have some plans for different guys on how to improve them and, and turn the tide on some some poor things. Because even at at Bundy's best in 16 and 17, the, the times when he was somebody who was very effective, home runs were a problem. 1.5, 1.4 homer per nine rates those two seasons. It ballooned to 2.2 last year. So he has things to work on. But even in the midst of that awful season, he had a 25% strikeout rate and a 7% walk rate. We're a couple tweaks here from getting Dylan Bundy back on track. He's just 26 years old. So it's fun to meme on him and all that about how poor his season was. But I would say don't forget about him either because you're talking about a 12.7% swinging strike rate. That is fantastic. And again, upper 20s, low 30s is a potential if he starts to get on track and really figure some things out, maybe get a new pa- uh, get a new plan for approaching hitters so he's not so hittable and so uh, has, has so much gopheritis in this game. That slider is still a money pitch despite the disastrous season. I won't completely forget Dylan Bundy, and he's somebody that uh, as drafts kind of wear on getting to the late rounds there, I'm going to look at him and say, you know what, we're, we're at pick 280, 285. I'm not afraid to put Bundy on a team here. I don't have to rely on him as a main source of my pitching. Why not take a shot because of what can be? So Dylan Bundy somebody I think could absolutely add to his already solid strikeout rate at 25%. Yeah, I like that Bundy pick. Um, I am surprised to see that he actually had that 25% rate. Then I remember the beginning of the year last year where he was just cruising. The yes, first five he was starts, actually doing he only well. allowed five earned runs total with uh, six, seven, eight, nine, ten strikeout totals. Um, as he just kept going up and up. Uh, there obviously is that potential, and he just has those games where it's just lost. His command is horrid. 
Uh, and it's tough to buy into a full consistent season. At the same time, you're totally right. This is definitely the type of flyer you want to go for. Maybe it does click and it all smooths out. The thing that will have to come back for him, uh, if I were to really buy into it, is that changeup. That 100%. used to be the pitch that was really good for him. In 2017, he had a 9 P-Val. Last year, was a negative 11. Uh, he just threw too many mistakes with the last year, and he needs it to be a pure nullifier for that fastball and then use that slider as a ridiculous uh, swing strike pitch because it's 25% plus swing strike rate, 48% O-swing. That's stupid. Um, so I like that Dun- Bundy pick a lot. Um I don't know if I can see like 30%, but I can see him going to like 27, 28. I, I like it. It's good. Yeah, something like 30% would be like a dream breakout season. Right. And I, I would put that on like, you know, the 5% probability here. Not something you plan for. But I think you could almost plan for 26, 27%, even if he's more of a mid-fours ERA guy mm-hmm. for Dylan Bundy. So keep an eye on him for sure. Uh, who's up next for you? So I have, okay, I have three more guys to consider. There's probably like four or five I can probably get, but I've got three. I'm going to knock away the easy ones first. I'm going to save my last one. Um, Renato Lopez needs to be discussed. Uh, with a 19% K rate last year, uh, he just has too good of a repertoire to, to stay there. And it's possible that he could explode from that. Look, he had that 10K start against Oakland. He really showcased what he can do. We when love he that is, start. Uh, it's so good. It's, he has slider and change up working in both of them. Uh, and his fastball is always going to be good. That's the thing. He's, he has this excellent forcing that he gets up and in both to lefties and to righties. It's just a matter of pitching backwards sometimes, maybe with that slider and then setting up that changeup. But I, I, he has it in him to do that. He actually had two 10 strikeout starts last year, including a six inning 10 strikeout performance against the Angels in September. And he also went out really strong as well. He had, uh, no, no games over two earned runs in his last six starts. Uh, tallying actually just six earned runs. Sorry. Uh, eight earned runs in that time. Seven. I can do this in seven starts. <laughs> I, I got this. No worries. Uh, he has this potential inside of him. He had a nice stretch to end of the year. I think we will be seeing a much better Renato Lopez. 24% K rate seems attainable to me. And he's going to have the leash going. You know, he's going to have a long leash in Chicago. Yeah, he's there's no pitch. No reason not to let him kind of go out and do his thing there. He was one of the few who actually did some nice things for them last year and and showed some flashes. So I, I agree that Reynaldo Lopez is somebody that uh, they should be interested in kind of, you know, hopefully cultivating and, and doing some good things with in Chicago. Obviously they're trying to land one of these big free agents to really get themselves uh, on track, perhaps come a, a year early. And Renato Lopez would be a big part of that if they're able to. So that's a good one. Like watching him pitch. When you watch uh, somebody like that pitch, like Renato Lopez, you can really see the, the, and you, you catch one of his good starts. You can really see the potential. And that's what keeps you so excited when you actually sit down and, and, and take an eye on him. The biggest recommendation I can give to anyone just trying to get more into pitching is just know what their repertoire is and watch during the game when they use each pitch. Yes. Think of like just with every pitch, like guess what they're going to do and say, look at your sheet of like, okay, he, he, here's his four pitches. Was he throwing? When is he throwing it? Um, and try and just take guesses with it. And you'll see quickly when, oh, oh, that was a bad changeup. That was a bad changeup. You know, you can see that he's going away from it or something and it's not there. So it's it's really it's really fun to do, and I highly recommend it to everybody. 
I agree. And you can follow along and say, oh, that was a bad pitch selection or it was a bad execution of that right, pitch. Right. And, and kind of figure out, you know, see why he's struggling or why he's succeeding. Oh, my God, look at the way he's using this changeup now. He has four strikeouts, three innings into the game, et cetera, et cetera. So I do agree with that. And, and he remains intriguing, much more intriguing than Lucas Giolito. I, I, I just haven't seen enough from him. You know, the, the, the kind of the one two punch there. And Rodon, it's kind of their a little bit more advanced version. Um, I would rank them. Lopez, Rodon, Giolito in terms of yes, interest. I agree with that. And so, uh, yeah, keep an eye on Lopez for sure. I'm actually staying in the same division here and going to my favorite club and talking about Matthew Boyd a little bit because of what he was able to do. The, the pitch mix change that he had last year was really intriguing. Got away from the fastball um, and even more got away from the changeup, but plugged it all into the slider. He threw 31% sliders. That was a 20-point increase. Previous high, uh, previous high was actually 17, but the last two seasons had been 11% on the slider. He really dove in on his slider, did Matt Boyd, and saw a, a surge in swinging strikes. And even in his strikeouts, in fact, especially in the second half, he was striking out a batter per inning. And, and not walking too many. So he was at 24% and 5% respectively for his strikeout and walk rates. And I think if he continues down that path and really pushes forward with, um, uh, with the slider heavy usage, we could see a full season 24, 25% strikeout rate from Matt Boyd. He's going to be 28. Rebuilding team, again, there's absolutely no reason not to let him go out there and try to get 32 plus starts and really push that 180 innings. So not only from a, rate standpoint but also a volume standpoint i think we could see some improvements from matthew boyd now uh the thing about boyd is that on uh june 13th i'm seeing his his four seamer average 89.9 miles per hour uh and then on september 8th it was average 93.4 that's the thing with boyd and it's a great point that you make up you're making that this could be someone that would take that jump because yeah if that fastball velocity is there instead of going 90 91 in the first half and then he went up to 92, 93 in the second. If that sticks through 2019, that means that he has something to play with with that slider. Exactly. He can have success as a two-pitch pitcher. I don't think he's going to take the full Corbin uh, in that regard. But there is enough here for him to push past that 22.5% uh, strikeout rate that Matthew Boyd has now. So that's a good pick. I like that one. Um, I have uh, Jacob Junis as someone that could hey. Got a little money pitch over there, right? His well, that's, that's really all it is. It's a 21.5% yeah. K rate, which is fine. And I could see him having the same one. But there's a chance that he really does uh, go after it with that slider again. He had a really nice second half. Uh, now, there last year, there were talks about him integrating a two-seamer and then a curveball. And we never saw it come to fruition. Hopefully, he'll go back at it again and have some success. I'm still kind of waiting for him to figure it all out. You know who he's kind of like? Uh, no. Bundy. Home run issue, money pitch slider. If it can kind of figure things, I mean, just in terms of the statistical profile, they, they share the same issues. They have that one great pitch and nothing else works consistently. And so they become too hittable, too home run friendly. Um, it wasn't quite as bad for Junis last year. He was at 1.6 on his homer per, per nine, whereas it was 2.2 for Bundy, but similar kind of deal there and, and rein that in a bit. And all of a sudden, you got you got some decent things there. And, and like the other two NL, AL Central guys we've talked about, absolutely no reason not to give Junis just a full leash there and kind of let him work through things yeah, definitely and not. put up 200-plus yes. innings. Yeah, um, I would say with, with a comparison of Bundy and Junis, which is pretty good, I like it, uh, I would scrunch the spectrum 
down for Junus while it's wide for Bundy. I fully agree. Fully agree with that it. as well. Like a, uh, like a baby Bundy. Right. So I can see I can see Bundy. Like Bundy's ceiling is much higher than Junus. Uh, yeah. And I don't know if I really will be buying into Junus, but I can see. Like if I see a curveball that's actually having success uh, in spring training or early in the year, then I'm all all bored because his fastball's fine. It's not really that good. But it can be fine enough, and if he has two solid breaking pitches, then yeah, can really make that, make that slider go crazy. Especially if he gets something to play off of the slider, I agree with right. you. Right now, yep. it's it's just one pitch. It's a one-pitch yeah, guy exactly. for pick up Junis. All right. Um, my last guy here is a deep flyer because he doesn't even have a rotation spot right now, and mm-hmm. it would take some injuries to get him there. But the stuff is so alluring that I had to mention Domingo Herman. Uh, he's got some absolute nastiness. I was really excited for him before they went out and got Paxton and uh, re-signed Hap because I thought maybe he could steal that fifth starter role. But then I, the more I thought about it too, I was like, well, I knew they were going to make at least one big move, and we all thought it was going to be Corbin. And then when they signed Paxton, I was like, well, they're going to make another move. They're going to get Hap or Corbin still. And it really pushed uh, Jonathan Loisiga and Herman to the fringes there. Would have been nice if Herman could have gone in a trade somewhere because then he could get a full opportunity. But he did have three three pitches last year that he that he used regularly. Uh, only the curveball was plus value, but a lot of swing and miss. Fifteen uh, percent swinging strike rate in his eighty six innings of work for Domingo Herman. He has a twenty eight percent career MLB strikeout rate in a hundred innings with a fourteen percent swinging strike. So the swing and miss is there. And honestly, even if he's not a, a starter, if they let him get into that bullpen in the front end there and he can be kind of a multi-inning reliever, he could end up being somebody – if he's not – I don't think he'll start the season in the majors. Uh, let's say he's called up after you know a couple months though. He could be one of those summer guys who's getting you one plus two innings per – as a reliever with just a boatload of strikeouts as well. So he, he could easily, as, as a reliever, he could push 35% on the strikeout rate. I, I, I absolutely believe that. But I don't know how quickly they'd be ready to move him into that, plus their bullpen's so good. So it, it's one of those super flyers, 50-round draft and hold, AL only for Domingo Herman. But I really wanted to mention him because the stuff is so nasty. You know what's so crazy about Herman is how – like his changeup is either so good or so bad. Nothing but, in between. But the thing is also he doesn't really use it as a put away. Only a 10% strikeout rate in 250 thrown, yet a 20% swing strike rate in a 44% O swing. Kind of weird, right? This is a pitch that he would throw like 2021 um to surprise guys and it would and surprise get back them in, a ton. Yeah, he'll get back into the count. Right, but, but he then won't doesn't use it double up right. with it. Right, and this is something we saw in his good starts. He was really cruising on that changeup, and bad starts he wasn't, uh, which meant that he had to go fastball curveball a lot. And with fastball curveball specifically, it's easier to gauge as a hitter which is coming because you also you have more time. If you just go for fastball, then you have like 20 mile per hour or so, maybe 15 to catch up to the, the curveball and adjust as opposed to say like a slider in fastball, which you have a, a smaller window to make that adjustment. Uh, so he needs that changeup to really be consistent for him, and he hasn't really done that. Um, I would say though that I mean they probably the Yankees will probably go with Herman over Loisaga first for first one up. Yeah, I still believe in Loisaga more as a pure talent. I actually do too, uh, and I I really like both. But I'm almost kind of hoping that Herman does get thrown into that multi inning reliever role. The problem is their bullpen's so deep. That right. uh, I don't even know where the innings would necessarily be unless 
they peeled back some starter innings and just said, right, right. you know, you guys, uh, Tanaka, you're going five. CC, you're never going more than five. And even Hap, maybe they try to get him some fives and sixes, just maybe later in the season to protect them for the playoffs, something like that. I mean, with Paxton, Hap, and CC, and Tanaka in that rotation, someone is missing a chunk of innings. Yes. So, so Herman probably gets that. Maybe there is another signing. I wouldn't be shocked if the Yanks signed. Uh, Wade Miley, even though I think the Brewers are trying to go back after that. Well, well something like that. I agree. Another uh, supplemental piece so they that don't have to rely on one of those young bucks. I, I, I agree with that as but well. I, but I also wonder if Loisica will go in a deal somewhere. I feel that that's going to happen. It just seems inevitable. One of them, you know, it, it would seem that, that one of them should get moved. Uh, Loisica or Herman, and they could bring in kind of whatever they wanted, right? With, with, right. with one of those. So I agree that, um, it wouldn't be surprising to see either of them move because I think they could headline a deal for a decent piece, not for like some superstar. No, right. But whatever but... they needed to fill in, if you, if you heard Herman or Lois Siga was coming in for a nice uh, quality fourth outfielder or I mean, they don't need another middle package infield Package it with Andujar, sign Machado and see what happens, right? There you go. There you go. <laughs> but they're not like going to sign Machado now. We've already kind of resigned the fact. I mean it could be – yeah, if it was Andujar and one of those pitchers – for like an elite first baseman. Right. And then Voigt gets kind of pushed to the bench, which he could really excel in, by the way. I think he'd be best oh, as a it. as a uh, bench guy. But I know I know Yankees fans think he, he's going to be a god. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll see. Um, but, you know, I, I like I like discussing Herman. I don't know if necessarily as a starter he had a 27% K rate. I don't really see so much growth in that. But I like that we're discussing the idea of him becoming a 30% strikeout arm uh and that that's definitely an interesting possibility um i have like two more i i have kind of one more but he's like really out there but yeah so okay let's go ahead go with your first one and i'll do one i mean and then you'll the finish. first one i think is a real funny one okay um that i even made a bet with uh the welsh uh about. oh yeah, yeah yeah is this uh this is matt harvey. matt harvey yeah 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 matt harvey had a sub 20 percent carry last year Matt just... Harvey increases velocity in Cincinnati. Matt Harvey could be decent. I'm going to stop saying his name. <laughs> no, uh, no, you do. I want to keep doing it. Matt Harvey's in L.A. Matt, Matt Harvey, Harvey has an opportunity in, in L.A. Matt, Harvey Matt Harvey's not truly has... in L.A., so he shouldn't be lured by the temptations of Los nice. Angeles. Uh, Matt Harvey had his best P-Val of a slider of his career at 8.8 last year. Uh, I think he has the pieces to maybe be okay at 23% K rate. That's not so out of the realm of possibility for me, um, especially with that increased fastball velocity. He's out of the annoyance of New York and uh, no like trade uh, hangover or so in Cincinnati. Now he's in the Angels. He's got Trout to help him out. He's got Otani to hang out with. Uh, I think he can actually shine a bit in in LA with the Angels. Uh, I'm not agree. saying that I love him. I probably won't draft him in other 12 teamers, other flyers so I want. Cheap. He's but so it's, cheap. Yeah, too. And, and essentially in deeper leagues, I would be eyeing AL, AL only go for Matt Harvey. I think that's a pretty, pretty solid uh, value you can get. No, I, I, f- I fully agree here uh, on this one. So I'm just going to go ahead and uh, co-sign that because I don't know what it is about Matt Harvey, but for some reason I can't seem to quit him. I, I, I'm with you here on this one. And uh, I thought it was a solid move. You know, obviously the angels are going to need some good fortune health wise. And they seem to have gotten the most rotten luck last year. So maybe it'll just turn, you know, completely the other way this year. And then 
turn them into like an insta competitor but uh obviously not everyone will stay healthy but if harvey does that could be a nice one for them good call there don't completely forget him at pick 350 or later in drafts so uh that's a good one there my last one is uh another ale east guy i think i had several or i think combined we had quite a few i had one two three and then i have four ale east guys so for some reason i like <laughs> treading in these uh dangerous waters here but this guy's actually not even a starter necessarily he's more of whatever you we, call i think i know who you're picking after the opener is it Jalen beaks Oh, I was gonna say Sean Reed Foley. Oh, okay. I like that one. Is that is that your next one? No, I was just oh, okay. just thinking of him. Yeah, <laughs> he's an interesting one. Uh, no, I went yeah. with Jalen Beeks here um, because, like I said, not even necessarily a starter might be kind of that Ryan Yarbrough guy who gets those middle innings, but then that's where it becomes fun in head to head because you get those starts without getting starts. You get right, four, right. five innings, and uh, he had a twelve point three swinging strike rate in the second half last year um you know he's not a stud he was a nice little prospect he had some big strikeout rates in the minors the strikeout rate wasn't really commensurate at 7.5 per nine um i didn't let me see what the percentage was on that it's probably something like 16 17 percent uh for him in the second half for Jalen beaks and not really yeah it was 20 percent. it was 20 percent. but that's not really commensurate with the swinging strike rate that he had he could definitely do better than that if you're getting a 12% swinging strike rate. And like I said, he was able to miss bats with some regularity in the minors. Uh, they're going to protect him in terms of not overexposing him in games. He's going to be a, a four to five inning guy every once in a while, maybe touching six. But I think he's going to fit into that uh, after the opener role. And I'm kind of intrigued by Jalen Beeks. 33% strikeout rate in AAA last year, 26% in AA, AAA combined the year before that. He's got some swing and miss. He brought it to the majors last year. It didn't translate to the strikeouts. We could see him tap into those strikeouts, and he could be a worthy AL-only uh, deep head-to-head league type and maybe even play himself into some shallow head-to-heads just to maximize the the starting the innings despite him not being against your start limit. Right. That's pretty no, niche, that's... by the way, for the head-to-head thing. But if he's pitching well, it's like Ryan Yarbrough. There you go. The Pratty Pirate. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Yarbrough. Um, Jake Faria is someone I'm just going to tag along there as you catch your breath. Uh, Jake Faria actually might get some starts. I don't know. He had 12 last year and only five release leaf appearances in his shortened 2018 season. And it was only an 18% K rate, and his stuff speaks to much higher when he had a 23.5% rate in 2017. I could definitely see him getting a better feel for that split change, really working that slider well. Um, and when he's doing great, his four-seamer has cut action to it. I'm not ruling him out for having uh, a little mini breakout this year. Definitely not someone I'm going to invest in on opening day for, but Waiver pick I'm up for sure. 100% keeping an eye on Faria, seeing if he's getting those starts. And seeing how the feel of his pitches are. If he's really working that changeup well, does his fastball have a little bit of that cut action to it? If so, I'm I'm on board with uh, taking a flyer early and seeing how that goes. Yep, yep. I uh, think uh, I think that absolutely works there. So honestly, Tampa Bay is one of those teams that I just I keep an extra eye on on their guys. You know, when they're mm-hmm. whether they're investing in someone or bringing somebody up, they've earned that credibility with me that I I want to stay interested and even take take a look you know somebody didn't have on my list but he's shown some gaudy strikeout rates in the past and could be more of one of those uh multi-inning relievers is wilmer fawn 
He's gotten some insane strikeout rates in the minors. I think he had like a 32% for 130 innings and in AAA in 2017. Now, he didn't bring it up to the majors, and he's a development project for sure. And at age 29, you don't love hearing that he's a development, but just another guy to keep an eye on for the Rays. So I, we got a few Rays out there. Was uh, Freya your last one, or was he just I, an I ancillary had, one? I just want to mention Jared Eikhoff. Okay. Hey, I like that name. Go ahead. Because um, he, I mean, he lost I'll, all that time to injury. Uh, yeah, well, Fast really brought uh, brought my attention to him a bit. Um, he came back last year against the, I believe it was a game against the Braves, where he struck out eight in 3.1 innings. He was really feeling it with his curveball, and he was still hurt from that, and he had even a, another surgery after that. Uh, but he just looked good. He had one of the highest spin rates on his curveball during that start, bet higher than it was in 2016, 17, etc., uh, this could be something that really turns into to a nice season that everyone's forgetting about with the Phillies. Because um, he will get those opportunities, I believe. I mean, he's going to be fighting for it a bit. Um, we have uh, He's probably going to be like the sixth one at the moment. But he's but got some think, track record, you know, and, to, yeah, to lean back he, on. Exactly. And if he does have a good spring, I can imagine either Eflin or Velasquez not having a great time and getting kind of pushed out for Eikhoff. Uh, so I would definitely keep an eye on him, see how he's performing, see how good that curveball is, and see if there's also something else on top of that that can really push him. Because career of a 21% K rate, I mean, really it's 20.5 that we've seen for two seasons. I think he can go closer to 24. Yep. I think the the depth of his arsenal when he's on, um, having the three pitches that are really working, with the curveball being the primary uh, swing and miss getter, but... When that slider is also working in tandem with it, those are three distinct pitches yep. with the fastball, curveball, slider. And Eikhoff's a good name. Jared Eikhoff out there in Philly. Don't forget him. It's a good one there. I think that's going to wrap us up there. Anybody else? No, that's, that's, that's all yeah. I got. I think we ran pretty deep there. We covered you know top-end guys all, all the way down to your super flyers in, in deep leagues. So I think everyone, uh, regardless of the league type you, you play in, you should have gotten somebody on there that you can pay attention to as a potential strikeout gainer. We are going to follow it up with the uh, with the inverse next week. We're going to talk about wah, some guys wah. who could lose some strikeouts. Now, that's <laughs> going to be really interesting because that's that's not as easy to kind of figure out, right? Um you know, yeah, I don't, I don't want to give away, but yeah, it'll be fun to kind of figure out uh, where we both go with that as well. So I'm, I'm eager for that, uh, even though it is a little bit on the negative end, but it's something to pay attention to. You want to understand guys who might be working with a, a fraudulent strikeout rate or, or don't really have anything to back it up. Um, so yeah. All right, Nick, I hope you have a great rest of your week. And what are we, two weeks away from 4.0? We are two weeks away, February 5th. Fantastic. So, uh, all right, man. Well, I will talk to you next week. We'll be talking about strikeout guys on the down end. If you have any strikeout uh, guys who you think can gain in strikeout rate, send them to me and Nick at PitcherList, at Spore on Twitter. Always down for discussion of guys we didn't get to. And maybe we agreed and just didn't put them on our list, or maybe we have a, a discussion on our hands. So hit us up there. Nick, talk to you next week. I'll see you then. <laughs>